are listening to Biotech Breakthroughs, a new podcast series from William Blair's Equity Research Group that explores the news and trends shaping the biotech industry. Hi, everyone. On today's first episode of Biotech Breakthroughs, we welcome Tim Lugo, partner and group head of biotechnology equity research. Back in May, Tim and his team dug deep into the ways in which AI and machine learning are impacting the biotechnology sector through a new report titled Putting the Tech in Biotech, a deep dive on AI in the sector. The report provides a very thorough analysis on the benefits and risks associated with AI, including the anticipated impact of drug discovery and drug development, along with the overall risks associated with the new technology. It's a thoughtful, in-depth report and one that provides us with plenty to talk about. With that, Tim, I'm going to hand it over to you. So maybe to kick things off, we can go pull back up to 30,000 foot and you can tell us what inspired you and your team to really write this report and tell us how you think about AI's impact on the sector. Sure. Thank you, Shanta. So with this report, we really just try to dig into AI, machine learning. It's impacting every industry that we're seeing. You know, it's obviously gained a lot of exposure starting, you know, earlier in the year, but we've been working on this report for probably about a year and a half. We've been hosting a number of private companies as well as public companies and webinars and just really digging into where is AI and machine learning impacting biotech? Where is it impacting the drug discovery and the drug development process? Our report is extensive, as you mentioned, 71 pages. So please, everyone listening to this, you don't need to read it all. It doesn't need to be consumed in one sitting. You know, Please reach out to Shanta or myself if you have any questions. We really just want to dig into where is AI machine learning impacting biotech specifically right now? Where's the opportunities? And also combat some things that we continue to see in popular press on where it isn't really going to have a major impact in our opinion. We dug into that pretty in depth in our report and also highlighted a lot of interesting companies in the space, which we think are having to become the leaders in the AI drug development space or are about to become uh, leaders within the space. Tim, let's just start with where the real need and crucial impact of AI and machine learning is in the biotech industry. Your report puts a really helpful framework around how it's really around the drug discovery process. So maybe we can talk about where the challenges are over here and how this technology can really help us overcome them. Sure. That, I think that's where AI and machine learning is going to have the largest impact in biotech. It's just higher quality candidates, you know, new biology and also higher quality candidates. Those are the two areas where historically biotech has always created a lot of value. That's historically where it's called recombinant protein technology created a lot of value, where mRNA created a ton of value, where antibody technology created a lot of value. So we think that's AI, machine learning is just going to be a continuation of these you know, large step functions we've seen in the biotech sector in the past. Biotech in general, as well as clinical development, generates a ton of data. We're talking petabytes of data. Uh, a lot of small molecules are screened against new targets. All of this creates data, often in very messy forms. That is where machine learning and AI will probably have its most impact is screening through all of this data, you know, taking out nuggets, and also creating feedback loops, which ultimately should lead to higher quality preclinical candidates and less likely of candidates to have less likely to have a clinical failure 
as it progressed through phase one, two, three clinical trials. So I think that's where these technologies are going to have the largest impact in the near term. And, you know, that's really where we see a lot of interesting companies kind of percolating up to the top these days. Tim, you guys talk about four ways in which AI and machine learning can really help with the drug development process here. You know, you talk about screening on the biology side, helping the screening on the chemistry side with streamlining the candidates. There's obviously ways in which AI machine learning can help us on the clinical trial and then obviously the eventual commercial opportunity here. Can we actually go through each one of these and dive into how you are viewing the landscape for AI and machine learning impacting these different ways? Sure. The, you know, I think first and foremost, we're seeing a lot of interesting new targets which are being identified from AI machine learning techniques. There's a lot of genomic and clinical data that has been produced over the past decade. AI algorithms, AI technologies are really being harnessed to draw out these new targets from within these large data sets. These genomically, sometimes these can be, these can be in locations which are very unobvious to a human researcher, sometimes very far away in the genome. And, you know, I've heard from some of the companies I work with who are applying these technologies that, you know, they're finding new targets that are just not even going to be conceived from a human researcher. Then they're taken and validated by human researchers, obviously. But a lot of these new targets which are being drawn out from algorithms are completely novel, completely would not be obvious at first glance from kind of traditional genomic technologies. So I, I find that very exciting. Those are, anytime you have new targets, you know, in discovering new biology, that usually leads to a ton of value because, you know, setting up the walls and all of that for competition uh, and just making those data sets internally within companies that much more proprietary. Secondly, you know, new chemistry, AI algorithms are being employed for new candidates, screening candidates, and also how these candidates interact with targets. So I think we're going to get much higher quality, better targets and better interactions with this AI discovered compounds. So, you know, anytime you have a more specific and more sensitive assays, you're going to have less off-target effects by these small molecules and usually just safer, more potent compounds. So I think AI machine learning is definitely having an impact there. Uh, with some of the early stage clinical candidates we're seeing coming out of those technologies. And maybe less impactful right now, but probably more impactful going in the future is going to be its impact on clinical trial design and maybe monitoring of some of the clinical data coming out of trials. So those trials can be tweaked during the process. This is an area where it's very much nascent for these AI machine learning companies, although some of them are employing it as we speak. We're still really in the first inning of AI machine learning being applied on the clinical side, in my opinion. And then ultimately, where we don't see it right now, but I think there's a lot of opportunity in the future is in the commercial side, post-marketing studies, you know, having AI algorithms and machine learning feedback loops, really processing all the data coming out of the real world setting and ultimately leading to, you know, maybe better therapies in the future and also picking up, you know, side effects that could be popping up in the real world, which are not completely obvious until you get out into you know millions of patients and uh, hundreds of thousands of patients, not just kind of the small defined clinical trials, which is characteristic of early stage drug development. So 
It sounds like we're really just at the tip of the iceberg of where this technology really gets used across the spectrum and the sector. Would you agree with that, that that's really, this is really just early innings at this point? And, you know, what we're really looking at right now is just a sliver of where this technology can then broadly be used across the whole sector in, in a lot more different ways than just the drug development process? Completely. And, you know, there's only a handful of these companies right now. A lot of them are being funded, though, early stages right now. The kind of leaders in the space were found maybe 10 years ago, but it's still a very early stage part of the industry. It's still something that I think is on the large pharma side being explored. A lot of large pharma, a lot of large biotechs kind of have AI machine learning groups and biocomputing groups almost siloed within the larger organizations. And then on the kind of pure play side, a lot of those companies are still very young. They still are coming up with their first drug targets, their first compounds are uh, you know in the clinic. And ultimately, AI machine learning is about iterations, it's about feedback loops. And you know in the biotech sector, that leads to clinical success or failure. So those feedback loops really don't come you know, full circle until five, 10 years sometimes after drugs are discovered. So we're very much in the early stages right now. Those feedback loops are just being refined as we speak. And probably over the next few years, we're still going to be in the early part of AI and machine learning really impacting the sector. So we do know that a lot of what AI and machine learning relies on is the quality of the data. And so it cannot obviously be understated how important it is in the drug development discovery process so can you just maybe walk us through, and I know your report talks about this also, what makes data so crucial in drug development? What are the challenges with it right now? And what are ways in which AI and machine learning can help us overcome those challenges? Data is absolutely critical. A lot of companies are founded on unique platforms or proprietary to them. And the data being produced from these platforms needs to be mined. It needs to be planned efficiently. It needs to be stored as well, very efficiently, and then mined efficiently. And that is probably one of the largest challenges for some of the companies that were founded on non-tech-enabled technologies, transitioning to the current era where tech is really, you know, must be deployed throughout their uh, organization. So it also builds a moat for some of these pure play AI biotech companies, which are founded based on the idea that they will be producing a large amount of data, they will be industrializing biology and producing just massive amounts of data, which will be mined. And again, going into the feedback loops, which AI and machine learning are so adept at kind of pulling nuggets out of. So that's one of the kind of issues we pull out on our report a lot is the value for these pure play companies and how different it is versus the large pharma companies, which you know are just really coming around to building out this infrastructure internally and also building out the scale internally. And not to mention, there's probably going to be a lot of cultural issues which occur when the typical wet lab scientist is approached with some novel insights that come out of just in silico technologies and in silico you know, assays, which AI is very good at making choices that, that are, you know, not emotional, obviously. And we have people who've been dedicating, you know, 20 years plus of their life into a certain framework of drug discovery. 
So it's going to be interesting to see how those kind of tugs and pulls happen within organizations and how drugs are prioritized internally. One thing we do know which is occurring is the volumes of data is only increasing. Integrating that with very messy decades-old data requires algorithms and a lot of powerful computing. So this is only becoming more important as as biotech kind of progresses on to its next stepwise of, I guess, drug discovery. So, you know, as we are still talking about data, do you think that this is a rate-limiting factor near-term for how quickly this technology of AI and machine learning really gets used by the industry? Or all of this is happening simultaneously where the quality of data is improving and it goes hand-in-hand with increased use of the computational technology that you're talking about? Or do you think this is really just something that's going to take a lot more time, particularly in drug development versus maybe some of the other industries where it's being used? It's definitely going to take time just because drug discovery takes time. One thing we talk about in our report a lot is we push back a bit where it is commonly thought that AI and machine learning techniques are going to shorten cycles for drug development, but really drug development occurs mostly during the development time. It it occurs a lot in the clinic and the clinic, you still need to enroll patients. You still need to get sites up and running. You still need to find appropriate patients for clinical trials. That's not really going to be impacted by AI machine learning in the near term. What we will get is a lot of probably higher quality preclinical candidates. And so shortening the very much the front end of the process, probably shaving years off of that timescale, it's thought that it could be up to 20% faster. But the clinic still allow the blocking and tackling of drug development. And then on the regulatory side, you know, that isn't going to be shortened anytime soon. The FDA isn't thought of as the most flexible agency when it comes to uh, regulation for good reason. I mean, we are developing drugs that are being dosed to millions of people and their mandate is to only approve safe and effective therapies. I'd say the time frame is still going to be a decade type of time frame for biotech, even if you are deriving these compounds through AI and machine learning. At the end of the day, we'll probably will just have higher quality compounds and you know probably higher hit rate, which is very important for investors and the industry in general. So maybe we can take a pivot here. Your report says that this is time to maybe rethink how valuations for these tech-enabled biotechs that are in this space should be thought about. You also say there's no one-size-fits-all, that there's no one way to succeed in this industry. There are multiple different variations where different companies can obviously exist and different strategies that can exist. So maybe walk us through what some of these variations are that are successful or that can't succeed. How should we think about the companies in these various different verticals? And then I guess a crucial question comes around valuation. I mean, how should we think about ultimately how to value this vertical, which is more tech-enabled versus the more traditional biotech companies? Valuations are going to be difficult in this area. And in small cap, biotech valuations are always are always a bit of a flashpoint and a bit of a controversy on the uh, long and short side. But in AI-derived biotech, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next decade. Because arguably, if we're talking machine learning, we are talking about iterations, we're talking about failure ultimately leads to a more valuable internal data set. But in the traditional small cap biotech world, and Shatha, you know this extremely well, anybody who invests in biotech knows that extremely well, 
you know, the first setback for a small company is usually a death blow to the valuation. You know, we always see gaps down in the 50% range. You look every day on the NASDAQ, which companies are the most volatile. It's always small cap biotech. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be, you know, to argue when a company's first candidate takes a step back, does that, you know, is the investor that has been primed on valuing that as a, a major setback for valuation, will that investor really come to the conclusion that that data set within that company is now more valuable? It's going to be hard to argue that, but really that is likely what's occurring. So it's going to be very interesting to see how these companies are not just valued when everyone is excited about AI, everyone is excited about machine learning being applied to biotech. You know, so these are cutting edge technologies in healthcare as well as in tech. But when things go a little bit wrong at these companies to see where what occurs with the valuations, um, especially in the current environment, you know, we are in an environment where small cap biotech is just not as highly valued as it was back when interest rates were at 0%. That's a very widely known phenomenon. Yeah, valuation is going to be extremely interesting to see how that how that plays out over the next few years as these uh, AI-driven companies get some success, but also some setbacks in the clinic. Other struggles out there or other issues, which I think some of these companies could face, are definitely on the regulatory side. The FDA has been very slow to change its review process in general. You look at areas like even accelerated approvals or biomarkers, there's constantly a struggle for you know non-clinical endpoints, which may allow for quicker drug development and quicker approvals uh, for those to be adopted by the agency. That's always a source of friction between the uh, companies and the regulators. So it'll be interesting to see how in silica experiments are included in the uh, regulatory process or even allowing for IND filings and then eventually for drug approvals. So maybe while we're on the topic of companies that are looking at this space, your report also talks about, you know, obviously there are smaller cap companies, there are private companies, but then there's also big pharma that's involved in drug development. Can you just share some perspective, at least like on the big pharma side, what you've heard because I think one of the things your report also mentions is you know, there are challenges, and I think you alluded to it yourself earlier, in sort of culturally integrating these technologies. So your view may be just, you know, the difference between how this is being used in smaller cap startups versus the more traditional established companies. You know, where is the use really happening or is it happening across the board? I think in the larger companies, it's still, you hear one or two companies really deploying these new techniques, really embracing them internally, putting some, I'd say, significant focus behind AI machine learning techniques and this idea of industrializing biology. It's, I'd say it's not broad though, and definitely in the large pharma sector, what is, I think, probably more common is you have some sort of computational biology team, and they are tasked with Coming up with new insights, with you know publications, with tracking the players in the field, especially the smaller, more nimble players in the field. But my feeling is they're not really being integrated into the entire process. 
where I think these small companies have a real chance either A, becoming next kind of biotech flagship type of companies like we've seen across the sector. You know, we've often seen companies that jump in that, you know, one to $3 billion range become a $50 billion company over, you know, a short time span. So we do see the potential for some of these smaller players to eventually become the next biotech leaders and join the ranks of kind of the other large biopharmas in the sector by really leveraging these technologies. So it's going to be a very interesting area to track, I'd say, over the next five to even 10 years. Uh, Again, we're still very much at the beginning of, of this. And the computing power looks to only be improving. You know, that's something that is a real tailwind for this specific subsector in biotech. Whereas, you know, computing power continues to, you know, continues to kind of its J curve in adoption and being deployed. Drug development still continues to be slow, long, expensive. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of room to for improvement uh, with all of these technologies. So I know you talked about a lot of ways in which AI and machine learning can help improve and, you know, facilitate better drug development, but the discussion wouldn't be complete if we didn't at least touch on some of the risks. So I know you flagged some of them already for us on the regulatory side, quality of data. I know you, your report talks about it extensively. Anything else you think that's you know should be on people's minds as they think about how this technology gets deployed and something that's you know as integral to our livelihood and our daily lives as drug development? Definitely. On the regulatory side, we already talked about the FDA has held a number of adcoms specifically digging into this area. And holding adcoms is one thing, but really integrating it into their regulatory process is another. So we'll see. Uh, I think that's a risk is maybe the agency isn't as quick as adopting their own opinions that have come out of these adcoms internally and kind of embracing these new technologies. There's a clear risk that, you know, garbage in, garbage out type of data is very much something that everyone in this field is probably battling with on a daily basis. We do have these massive data sets, which are available either publicly or as a proprietary data sets. But some of these data sets are over 10 years old, some over several decades old. Especially when you're looking at medical records from large country level type of uh, medical record data sets. These are decades old, so it's very hard to sift through that and to really come up with high quality data out of these large uh, legacy sets. And ultimately, this is not a chatbot. You know, this is biotech. These were developing drugs which are going to be dosed to humans and will hopefully, you know, cure and manage diseases. But you know, maybe similar to gene therapy, we do have some setbacks where we will see some side effects that occur with these AI drug therapies. And I know that, you know, in the gene therapy space, that caused a lot of hesitation. That is definitely a risk that there's almost a broad painting of the AI machine learning biotechs, because when you really dig down into them, and we do a great job of that in our report, especially, I, I should note, John Boyle, my associate, is definitely an expert in the field, and he did a great job in digging into uh, the various companies in the sector, all of these companies have very different approaches. So there is a real risk that we just kind of broadly paint, you know, the sector in a very uh, unrefined uh, manner and that they all unfortunately could, when there is a setback with one company, could be kind of spill over to at least an investor's opinion, the whole sector. 
So that's definitely a, um, a risk. And I should note that there is a real push around diversity in data sets, you know, diversity in patients that are being included in the clinical trials. And when you look at a lot of these legacy data sets, there is a real risk that diversity push, which has been occurring over the past few years, isn't reflected in these data sets, which are decades old. So hopefully we're not just developing therapies for subsets of subsets. Hopefully we're broadening, you know, developing therapies for the most representative population. Thanks, Tim. We've touched a lot of many of the highlights from your report today. I appreciate you joining us and look forward to doing this again. Debbie, thank you, Shanta, for A, reading the report. I know it's extensive, but thank you for reading it. And again, thank you for hosting me for uh, the inaugural uh, Biotech Breakthroughs podcast. It's been fun. For more, head to williamblair.com slash thinking, uh, where you can browse our library of white papers, market updates, webinars, and all these other resources designed to provide actionable intelligence for emerging opportunities. If you like what you heard, share and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Copyright 2023, William Blair and Company, LLC. William Blair and Ardox are registered trademarks of William Blair and Company, LLC. As used on this podcast, William Blair refers to William Blair and Company, LLC, William Blair Investment Management, LLC, and affiliates. For more information about William Blair, go to www.williamblair.com. This content is for informational and educational purposes only and not intended as investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell any security. Investment advice and recommendations can be provided only after careful consideration of an investor's objectives, guidelines, and restrictions. The views and opinions expressed are those of the speakers and are subject to change over time as market and other factors evolve.